the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It is Thursday, August 19th, a little bit of a stormy day. Let's go to uh, George Stephanopoulos. ABC sat down with President Biden. So big things in the news, obviously, are the police body cam video that has been released. But I want to want you to hear some of uh, President Biden with George Stephanopoulos. And obviously, um, this is his first sit down talking about the situation in Afghanistan. The Afghans who are left behind, particularly Afghan women, who are facing the prospect of subjugation again. As many as we can get out, we should. For example, I had a meeting today for a couple hours in the Situation Room just below here. There were Afghan women outside the gate. I told them, get them on the planes. Get them out. Get them out. Get their families out if you can. But here's the deal, George. The idea that we're able to deal with the rights of women around the world by military force is not rational. Not rational. Look what's happened to the Uyghurs and western china look what's happening in other parts of the world look what's happening in the congo i mean there are a lot of places where women are being subjugated the way to deal with that is not with a military invasion the way to deal with that is putting economic diplomatic and international pressure on them to change their behavior how about the threat to the united states most intelligence analysis has predicted that al-qaeda would come back 18 to 24 months after a withdrawal of american troops is that analysis now being revised could it be sooner it could be but george look here's the deal al-qaeda isis they metastasize there's a significantly greater threat to the united states from syria there's a significantly greater threat from east africa there's significant greater threat to other places in the world than it is from the mountains of afghanistan and we have maintained the ability to have an over-the-horizon capability to take them out. We don't have a military in Syria to make sure that we're going to be protected. And you're confident we're going to have that in Afghanistan? Yeah, I'm confident we're going to have the over-horizon capability, yes. The deal is the threat from al-Qaeda and their associate organizations is greater in other parts of the world through the United States than it is from Afghanistan. And that tells you that you're, it's safe to leave? No, that tells me that we should be focusing on where the threat is the greatest. And the idea we can continue to spend a trillion dollars and have tens of thousands of American forces in Afghanistan when we have North Africa and Western Africa, the idea we can do that and ignore those looming problems, growing problems, is not not rational. Now, folks, again, that is uh, President Biden. But I want to play, um, there's certainly a lot of activity there's more chaos in Kabul. Let's hear the uh, latest report um, from, I mean, on the ground in Afghanistan. Good morning, Robin. I wish I could report that things have got better in Kabul, but they haven't. We've been tracking one female Afghan SIV applicant. She's got all the papers in her hands. She went to the gates with the American side of the airport last night. She stayed all night long. Eight this morning, she gave up, said the gates never opened. This morning, anguish and agony as 15,000 Americans and many more Afghans try to escape Kabul. Reports of more than a dozen injured in the crush at the airport, the Taliban beating the crowds. Fighters firing multiple rifle shots in the air to frighten and disperse people. And right by the Taliban checkpoint there, a tense moment. Taliban, Taliban, permission. ABC News. Okay. At first, the fighters backed away. Then more Taliban appeared. I uh, tell him we have permission. We have permission. Yes, ABC. ABC. Ignoring the accreditation issued by their own commanders. We have Taliban permission. As gunfire erupted again in the background, with their weapons drawn, we were forced back into the cars. Huh. Stop filming. Stop filming. Just put it down. Inside the airport, it's secure and wow. calm, but just yards away, See, they a don't completely care. different picture. New images from the Air Force showing the evacuations, including this image of an Afghan child with an airman's uniform for a blanket. So far, there have been nearly 6,000 evacuations, but some flights leaving half empty oh. because many people can't get to the airport because it's unsafe. I don't have the capability to go out and, and extend operations currently into uh, into 
Kabul. Questions remain about how the country fell so quickly. There was nothing that I or anyone else saw that indicated a collapse this idiot. of this army oh, and this government I hate this in 11 guy. days. The Taliban assuring us women's rights would be protected, but on the ground the evidence is the opposite. This female news anchor blocked from going to work. Shabnam Darwan told by the Taliban the regime has changed. Go home. Journalist Zara Nabi says women who lived under the Taliban last time are now terrified. Oh. She says her neighbor is devastated. I was trying, you know... Ten minutes I was trying to make her understand, calm down, please. The Taliban won't do these things again. And she was saying, no, I cannot, I cannot. Oh. Just heartbreaking scenes. And Robin, nice job, Biden. An incredibly brave, heroic journalist. She's been going undercover in areas the Taliban have held for a while. She tells us that women are not allowed out of the house without a male member of the family. And in some areas, girls can go to school only up to the age of nine. Yeah. Robin, when you hear... Nice job, Biden. All right, folks. So, as I said, that is a a, a very good piece. Um, I also want to go back to this is um, George Stephanopoulos. Now, I will play, folks. We also have the police body cam video that was released yesterday. But I want to go back to this is uh, Stephanopoulos, his one on one with President Biden. Here we go. Back in July, you said a Taliban takeover <clears throat> was highly unlikely. Was the intelligence wrong, or did you downplay it? There was no consensus. You go back and look at the intelligence reports. They said that there was not what you said. more likely to be sometime by the end of the year. Not what you, you said. You put a timeline out when you said it was highly unlikely. You just said flat out it's highly unlikely the Taliban would take That's over. right. Yeah. Well, the question was whether or not it... The idea that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion that the uh, somehow the 300,000 troops we had trained and equipped was going to just collapse. They were going to give up. I don't think anybody anticipated that. Senator McConnell said it was a predictable that the Taliban was going to take over. Well, by the end of the year, he said that that was a real possibility. But no one said it was going Boy, to take he's over tap then. dancing now. When Come on, Joe. What's happened over the last week? Was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a fair... Look, it was a simple choice, George. Judgment. When the Taliban... Uh, let me back it, put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting in a plane and taking off and going to another country, when you saw the significant collapse of the uh, Afghan He did that because we, we were leaving. 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment. And, because and we were off. leaving. That was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. Because we so were leaving. Was, in the beginning, the, the threshold question was, do we commit to leave within the time frame was set? We extended it to September 1st. Or do we put significantly more troops in? I hear people say, well, you had 2,500 folks in there and nothing was happening. You know, there, there wasn't any war. But guess what? The fact was that the reason it wasn't happening is the last president negotiated a year earlier that he'd be out by May 1st and that the return there'd be no attack on American forces. That's what was done. That's why nothing was happening. But the idea, if I had said, I had a simple choice. If I had said, we're going to stay, then we better be prepared to put a whole hell of a lot more troops but in. But your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. Oh, this they is didn't a argue mess. That. So no one, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. Right. We can do that. We can continue to do that. Yes. No, no one said that to me that I oh, can recall. Oh, come on, that Look, I can recall. George. What a the reason mess. why it's been stable for Folks, a year president of the United the last States. president said, we're leaving. And here's the deal I want to make with you, Taliban. We're agreeing to leave if you agree not to attack us between now and the time we leave on May the 1st. Less than two months after I was elected to office, I was sworn in. All of a sudden, I have a May 1 deadline. I have a May 1 deadline. I got one of two choices. Do I say we're staying? And do you think we would not have to put a hell of a lot more troops? We had, a, we had hundreds, we had tens of thousands of troops there before. Tens of thousands. Yeah, but not now. Do you think we would have, would have just said no problem? Don't worry about it. We're not going to attack anybody. We're okay. In the meantime, 
The Taliban was taking territory all throughout the country in the north. Folks, now he just, and again, it's John DePietro, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. He actually couldn't even get when it happened and was i want to just play this part where he's talking about what happened at the airport um look at what's happened over the last week was it a failure of intelligence planning execution or judgment look i don't think it was a fair look it was a simple choice george when the when the taliban well uh, i want to skip ahead to where he talks about the airport quickly we have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport and we did so you don't think this could have been handled? This actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that... Oh, come on. We're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. Oh, see, there's the problem right there. That is the problem right there. And the he doesn't even know when it happened. Up to 300,000 of them just leaving their equipment and, and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this, it, it, that, that's what happened. All right, folks, again, he, he's going to stick with that. Um, he, he continues to just say that it's, it's fine. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those no, pictures? No, it wasn't. It was we've Monday. Pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17. We've seen Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw It was actually Monday, even though he's trying to say it was quite some time ago. Folks, I want to get to, obviously, uh, if you go to the website, topetro.com, we have the Providence Police. The body cams have been released, and... I want to just play. I I was somewhat I was very surprised actually that um, Channel Twelve Chiefs keeps going with this headline: Providence Police released footage of officers punching, spitting at teen suspects. First of all, at that point they had guns in the car. They had terrorized the city. That that is talk about like what kind of headline is that? Punching, spitting at spitting at teen suspects. They shot these teens. Shot people in the face. Ah, oh, I'm so surprised. Let's listen to the violent Chino arrests of three teenagers in Providence who led police on a chaotic chase through the city last month. A headline. I'm Kim Kalunian. And I'm Shannon Heggie. Providence police released more than 40 separate body camera videos of the incident. City leaders have described the actions of some of the officers as appalling. We have team coverage tonight. 12 News reporter Molly O'Brien is standing by with reaction from the police union and community activists. But first, Target 12 investigator Steph Machado is oh, here now with what those videos show. There's Steph? the anti-police person. Here we go. Providence police released more than eight hours of footage combined of the arrests of three teens that led two officers to be suspended pending a criminal investigation. Hours of body camera video shows Providence police officers repeatedly punching teenage boys. Oh, one time of July 9th, one teen with his face bloodied. Officer Domingo Diaz, who has been suspended, spits at him as the teen is pulled oh, up from the ground. Give me a Diaz, break. In another video clip is seen repeatedly punching one of the teens before being physically pulled off of him by a sergeant. The violent arrests taking place after an hours long chase through the city. Six hours. Six hours. Six hours. The three teenagers in a BMW convertible accused of driving erratically and pointing a BB gun rifle at civilians. Oh my and god, they didn't know. There were two rifles. Two rifles. Notice she keeps saying teenagers. On Salmon Street, police are seen on video pulling them out of the car. More than one officer throws punches. You okay? Yeah. In this clip, an officer interviews the driver, who says he's 15. Bro, like, do you see the severity of this? Like, you, you, you guys are going crazy, man. The, the whole state was after you guys. Dude, I saw a cap telling him stop f put that out the window. And, wow, and this listen. is really anti-police. I'm surprised at Channel 12. You were the driver, man. The three juveniles were all charged, but have not been identified because they're underage. Shortly after the incident, police placed Diaz and Officer Mitchell Voyer on paid suspension. Attorney General Peter Narona is conducting a use of force investigation they into the officers. They shot Here's people what Public Safety Commissioner in the Stephen face. Perry said about the incident last month. 
Oh, be quiet. One cop lost his cool. What was appalling were the kids. For this video last month, but released it Wednesday at the authorization of Nerona, who says his investigation is, quote, substantially complete. He has not yet said if those two suspended officers will be charged or cleared. With the what a biased report. Wow. Steph, thank you. Community leaders are speaking up about the violent uh, action scene in the video. What about the teens? Spoke with activists, what is advocates, the deal? And the police union president and joins us now wow, live Wow, when did Channel 12 become anti-police? What if that was your kid in the video? That's oh the my posed God. What? Political Action Committee. Leaders are hopeful those involved How about if, what if that was you shot in the face by them? Disturbing, difficult, and frustrating to watch. Wow. With Black Lives Matter, Rhode Island what about the actions of those punks? The body camera video shows um, actions yet again by a police You know, this is that, ridiculous you know, that they're running this. Oh, everybody did. Oh, my God. Oh, so what? You don't even know if it hit him. I mean, I don't think that any of us can look at that video um, and see. They don't show anything about what the kids did. Good. And feel like that is protecting. Oh my god. Says, by no means are the alleged actions of the teens acceptable. He Sounds that the way. Suspects and the officers involved should be held accountable. Uh, these are trained uh, professionals that are, you know, you know, given the trust by taxpayers in our state to be able to handle those situations in which kids don't get spit on. As the investigation oh, so is what? ongoing, Providence Police Union President Michael Amundi they shot not somebody in the, the face. Of the officers. But in a statement to 12 News, he did say, quote, The investigation surrounding this incident should be full and complete before judgment is passed on any of the actions taken to facilitate the arrest of these subjects. When making an arrest, especially in a highly volatile incident with violent subjects who intend to resist arrest, it never looks good, quote, on camera. And people will be quick to judge. That's right. Tuttle says they are in the early stages of organizing a protest that oh, will likely whoopee. take place after 4 p.m. on Friday at the Providence Public Safety Conference. Yeah, let's make sure we get that out because that's so important to the story. Folks, I, when did Channel 12 become anti-police? You know, it all fits in, though. They were like this last summer. Wow. Good to know where they stand. Very, very disappointing. All right, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508 508- 336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Joining us right now, he is retired Amy Ranger, uh, and on top of that, served in Afghanistan, also Iraq. He is the author of the book, Leave No Man Behind. Former member of the elite 75th Army Ranger Regiment, deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq, support of the global war on terror. It is our honor to welcome to the program, and it is Dr. Tony Brooks, Doctor, uh, thank you for taking the time to speak to us on the John DePietro Show. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Doctor, I'd like to start off with you have experience. You were on the ground in Afghanistan, and the uh, something that the Biden administration is almost seemingly not even acknowledging, and that is the progress that women have made in the past 20 years in Afghanistan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a stark contrast of what was happening during the Taliban years to, you know, just a few weeks prior to today. You know, women were not allowed to walk on the streets without a chaperone, show their skin, speak in public, uh, hold any type of job, or go to school under the Taliban. So when the United States moved into Afghanistan, women were essentially set free from slavery. Wow. And what we're watching right now is, you know, likely going right back to that. It's probably one of the worst, you know, human rights issues we've seen in our lifetime. I'm curious to what your reaction was just watching the events unfold from late last week over the weekend into Monday. You know, uh, my book came out on Tuesday, and that was supposed to be a very happy day. And for the most part, it was, but only a few days later, I'm watching on TV. Um, You know, I was angry. I was sad, you know, disappointed. Uh, I felt left behind, uh, ironically, given the name of my book. You know, it's, it's one of the worst moments of my life watching this on TV. Uh, I I think that says a lot. I mean, you you know the topic of my book is about a very ugly rescue in Afghanistan. Yep. And I've never felt so many emotions in such a short period of time in my life uh, this past week. Doctor, what steps do you think right now? Because certainly now there's the is the possibility that the Taliban could suddenly decide that they're going to take hostages with many of the Americans that are stranded in the country, can't get to the airport, basically in hiding. Uh, we don't know how many Americans are there. This, this, is not, this is not going to end this week. I don't think it's going to end next week. Um, what, what, what steps could the United States take right now? Yeah, I don't think it's just the United States problem at this point. Okay. I think the international community needs to step up and say, hey, we're, we're going to take back this airport and we're going to secure it and we're going to start getting people out. And, you know, we've already negotiated with the Taliban once and that didn't work out so well. I mean, what's stopping us from, from trying to negotiate now? We won't. We will not take you out if you get if you let us get our people out. Yep. I mean, what, what are we losing there? Nothing. We've already lost. So that's my opinion on that, on that matter. But this is going to be lasting a while, I believe. Folks, again, uh, you're listening. This is Dr. Tony Brooks, uh, his new book out. And, and, um, the title is leave no man behind. Obviously president Biden doesn't exactly so far, uh, believe in that. If, if you could also address on, you know, President, some President, Doctor, some of President Biden's comments of, you know, I'm not going to pass this on to another president, and no um, other American life, and just the real cold, hard attitude that he took in that speech to the country on Monday. Yeah, it was it was very disappointing for me. I mean, I think most people can agree that yes, we wanted to get our troops out. But no one wanted this. No one wanted troops to come out and to be all for nothing. You know, how did we not have a peacekeeping mission in there? Um, how, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've looked at, if anyone wants to review some of the reports on Afghanistan from the uh, Special Inspector General, it's SIGR.mil. And, and this is the Specially Appointed Inspector General's website. They've been reporting quarterly on the reconstruction of Afghanistan. This has not been a secret. We knew this was very likely to happen, and we just simply didn't have a plan to avoid it. What? What? Could, disappointing. What can you tell us about your time 
in Afghanistan. You were deployed there 2005. Um, what, what part of the country were you there? Were you in? What can you tell us about it? And any type of interaction that you had with members of the Taliban? You know, I I didn't have a lot of interaction with the Taliban when I was there. My time in Afghanistan was basically on Operation Red Wings, which was the rescue of the lone survivor. The rest of the time was mostly training. It was a it was an odd time during the war where the special operations units weren't doing much because we were trying to win the hearts and minds at that time. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the best to talk about interactions with the Taliban, but I will say this. You know, in 2005, we were mostly done with our mission. And it picked up again later <laughs> because of our inaction. So, you know, this has been a disaster for a long time. And we've known it. Um, how, how would you describe the Taliban as an enemy? I mean, people are hearing it about it, but the, uh, most people that I talk to and listeners, they, they don't have a full feel on what type of enemy they are, what their goals are, what type of leadership they are. What, what type of enemy is the Taliban? I'd say the Taliban are some of the most fierce fighters in the world. They've grown up in war. They lived their entire life in war. That's all they know. And to to go into a country to try to fight a, an enemy like that, you have to be willing to fight. And, you know, I, I don't think that we were ever, you know, given permission to win this war. Hmm. I called it in my book. I said this was a war of whack-a-mole. This was not a war. It was, it was a game of whack-a-mole. We were only allowed to hit the mole when it popped up. And that's what we've been doing for the past 20 years. So, I mean, you can see the results of it. Folks, again, we are speaking with Dr. Tony Brooks. And, Doctor, I I am um, very curious what type of thoughts and emotions and feelings you have as we approach the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to go yet. I mean, I I was a freshman in college on 9-11, and I was there for maybe three weeks when, when 9-11 happened. And at that moment, I wanted to leave school and join the military. So, you know, it has a big impact on my life. You know, it turned me into an Army Ranger. So this year in particular is probably going to be one of the toughest and it's it's a little unfortunate because I think there's a whole generation, you know, there's a 20-year-old out there right now that really has no connection to 9-11. And we basically fought a shadow war for 20 years. Hmm. So it, it, I think the general population isn't going to really care. And that's disheartening for someone who, you know, went off to fight a war because of it. So I fully expect it to be a very rough 9-11. Folks, again, it's Dr. Tony Brooks. By the way, his new book now, Leave No Man Behind. And, Doctor, before I let you go, if you could just touch on that this is not just a book about the military. This is, you know, this Leave No Man Behind, Team First, this is something that could be implemented basically in any organization where you have different types of people involved with a common goal. Absolutely. I mean, the whole, the whole mantra of leave no man behind is that, you know, it's been around since the beginning of time and in war, one thing that allows us to do things that normally we wouldn't do is that we know that every single person is coming home and we know that no matter what happens, our buddies are going to come get us, you know, dead or alive. And that allows, that allows your mind to do things and your body to do things that you never would do. So I think, yes, that should be in every organization should be thinking about this. How is the mission bigger than an individual person? Folks, again, the book is Leave No Man Behind. Dr. Tony Brooks, former member of the elite 75th Army 
Ranger Regiment. MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is DePietro.com. Time for our legal segment. Joining me right now is Rhode Island attorney Tim Dodd. And, Tim, if you'd like to – if you don't mind, just off the top, uh, there's a case that certainly got a lot of attention. And then, you know, then there's a bail hearing and people, for whatever reason, probably because of Afghanistan and just the time of year, but it kind of – fell through and there wasn't a lot of media coverage but i have asked people people asking me about this case the accused uh from cranston colin gershkoff and was involved with this uh, incident charged with first degree sexual assault outside of the nightclub blue he was being held and i believe he was in court and you have an update for us yes um this is a very serious and if true disturbing um allegation against this young man um he was charged with first degree sexual assault. Um, the victim was found in a distressed condition by, I believe, a valet at Blue Restaurant. And when one is charged with um, first degree sexual assault, that's a capital case, um, much akin in terms of the potential for severe penalties as a murder case or a kidnapping case. Um, when he was brought in, for his initial arraignment, uh, he, he was held without bail, which is pretty standard. I believe he was scheduled to be in court a couple of days ago, I think maybe on the 16th of um, August, and he was remanded to the ACI. He's being held at the Intake Service Center, where anyone in his position would be out of intake. Um, my understanding is he currently has a bail hearing scheduled I think it's for the 26th of August. Yep. And um, that's a useful, I mean, typically defense counsel will try to work out some arrangement for bail, either posting cash, getting some surety bail, uh, getting a home confinement situation, whatever. I mean, typically you'll agree to whatever you kind of have to agree to, to get out of intake, which is certainly no picnic. Uh, with whatever set of conditions you can negotiate. If you can't, then you would go to a bail hearing. Um, That could be dangerous for the defense because, you know, the um, alleged victim might testify, the cops would testify, and it's a very low standard for a judge to determine, you know, that the defendant should continue to be held without bail. From the defense side, if you're willing to go that route, it can be a good tool to get some fact finding and to get some early evidence and to um, cement in early testimony, which as the case develops, that early testimony and that early position that the state takes may or may not hold up well as discovery develops and investigations are done. So both sides have some risk in going forward with the bail hearing because once you've committed to a story, it's hard to change that story. Sure. It's, it's um, a virtual certainty that the defendant here would never, never, never testify at such a hearing. Yep. But um, if bail can't be worked out, the defense has to go through it. You take your shots and see what kind of evidence you might develop or 
testimony, which may not be what you expected, which could help down the line. One never knows until people start testifying. And Tim, if, if someone in this particular situation, you know, is not granted bail, this case is, I mean, are people held that long? This case is a long way off, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Jim, there's, guy, there's guys, there's men and women um, being held without bail uh, pending trials for things like murder, yeah. kidnapping, the first degree sexual assault. Yeah, that's right. And there, that's especially because of COVID yes. and the system being all backed up and you can't get a jury trial and you're being held without bail. There's folks who have been held out at the intake service center for an incredibly long time uh-huh. because of the COVID pandemic in yeah. large part. You can't get a trial, right? You can't get a jury impaneled. Wow. Um, it, it's it's if you're out there, um, you're in limbo with no end in sight right now. Mm. As this pandemic seems to be ramping back up with the Delta variant, yes. who knows when we're going to get jury trials going again? Yeah. Uh, speaking of held without bail, our friends, the Rise of the Moors, uh, they appeared in court, <laughs> and it doesn't sound like does not sound like things went their way. <laughs> well, there's a couple of rise of the Moors situation. On the one hand, you've got the latest Moors who um, were arrested. I think they were at um, the same building where the U.S. Attorney's right. Office is. Well, they, they're they're separate. Well, we'll we'll get to them. Uh, I did interview them. They're supposedly from an Indian tribe, but just the original ones from the highway. Whatever they were trying to get done, I believe in court. Um, I think they were unsuccessful. Well, yeah, just a, just a tad unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, we talked about it briefly with a file suit, and it was strange at the time that the only reporting was that they file suit. Yeah. And all of their allegations were dutifully reported uh, in the projo without any analysis of the basis of any of their allegations. Right. Yes. Um, this was filed pro se, meaning the plaintiffs did so on their own without the assistance of an attorney. The complaint was kind of a stream of consciousness claiming that they had been defamed by um, members of the, um, um, by the court system in Massachusetts and by members of the Massachusetts state police. Uh, The the case was filed in federal court in Rhode Island um, and the case was assigned to Judge McConnell, who's just an awesome judge. He's one of the very best. And he knocked the case out very early on, on two grounds. Uh, in the first instance, the judge did the right thing in terms of knocking this case out, saying that there's a longstanding rule that the federal courts will typically stay out of pending state court proceedings. So while there's an action pending in the state court in Massachusetts, that this judge would not, as a federal court in a different state, ever wade into uh, determining whether there's a meritorious case in the first place. But the judge went one step further. He didn't have to. He could have gotten rid of the case on that basis alone. But he went to the next step and said that his reading of the complaint Uh, that the complaint fails to articulate any clear allegations which would constitute defamation. So he went out of his way to say, I'm knocking it out because we're not supposed to take up cases like this. But even if we did, I don't see that there's any actionable um, claims being made by these plaintiffs. So they got spanked. So the 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 uh, Moors there got spanked pretty well by this judge oh. in knocking their case out. Yeah, that he this judge, by the way, never got to the merits of the case. Um, at this juncture, on a motion to dismiss filed by the defendants, um, the the judge looks at the four corners of the complaint and determines that, in addition to the jurisdictional issue, that. Uh, the, the allegations as set forth don't state a cause of action on which relief could be granted. So the judge got it just right. Now, as far as the, um, the group, and for those that missed it, I, do, I was the only one to get an interview with them. 
Friday afternoon, they caused uh, quite the ruckus, Tim. You have 100 Way Bassett, I believe, is, and that's Joe Palino's building. It houses both the FBI and the U.S. Attorney. And all of a sudden, uh, three people come in, four people actually, three of them fully strapped. One of them had uh, guns on both sides, like the Old West. Cowboy hats, they have uh, martial badges out, and they say that they have a meeting with the U.S. Attorney. A woman that worked at the cafe thought, are they a security detail for like Texas Rangers or something? Turns out they are members of an Indian tribe. They feel they're law enforcement. They don't need anything, but they were uh, kept overnight at the Providence Police Station, who 20 cops descended on that place. I mean, it's Friday afternoon, broad daylight, and three people, I mean, guns in holsters on their hips, not exactly in a pocket. And then um, and they, they kept the guns, but they did release them on Saturday. They made bail. Yes, they made bail. They've been charged with possession of an unregistered handgun. Um, I think it could have been a lot worse, but that's all they got charged with. And I'm not sure if these three uh, people weren't the ones who staged this situation in the lobby in the same building as the U.S. Attorney's Office. Yep. My understanding is that it might have been these defendants who called the cops to come. Oh, wow. <laughs> Because they were, they wanted to create sure. a scenario to create their arrest so they could challenge the actions that the cops were taking. Mm. And I do know that these three suspects, um, even if they're not claiming to be members of this rise of the Moors, they're claiming the same ill-conceived yeah. uh, defense that they are sovereign citizens. Yep. Uh, maybe these folks are going to say they're sovereign citizens of an Indian nation and as such, they're not subject to our laws just the way the Moors are claiming that they're somehow citizens of Morocco and they're not subject to um, the laws um, of the United States. I think whether these folks in Providence are Moors or if they're claiming um, membership of some Indian tribe or Indian nation or claiming some other citizenship, quote unquote, sovereign citizenship, um, it's 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 a theory that will not hold water in the court system. Mm. And if they're claiming that the, the laws of the state of Rhode Island or the, the federal laws of the United States don't apply to them, they're going to be clearly um, on the wrong side of that argument. Yeah. There's no chance they'll prevail. Mm. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Attorney Tim Dodd, our legal expert, right here on the John DePietro Show. Continue to enjoy your best lawn ever with Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Contact them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025 or online, lawndoctor.com. A lot more summer ahead plus the fall. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call for a free quote today, 401-392-1025. Find out also about keeping your family safe from ticks and mosquitoes, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Check out their website. It's lawndoctor.com or call today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. We're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, this debate about masks and a mask mandate back to school, uh, very interesting maneuver by Rhode Island Department of Education, the Education Commissioner, even with the attorney right there saying you really don't have the legal authority to tell schools there has to be a mask mandate. They said, and the commissioner even said, we're going to do it, and then if someone wants to challenge us in court, so be it. Uh, I think Governor McKee had said he wasn't sure he had the authority to do a mask mandate because I believe the town of Johnston, their school committee voted they are not going to do a mask mandate with their students coming back. Cranston voted, yes, they are going to have their school committee saying that the kids have to wear masks coming back to school. What about this business of a state mandate? I, I believe that the General Assembly could weigh in on this, but they're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. The governor would have the power. Recall when the pandemic first um, hit, Gina Raimondo used a number of emergency powers which That's are right. available to her statutorily for short periods of time you know, in the event of war or a pandemic. So I believe Governor McKee, if he chose to do so, 
could invoke those same statutory emergency powers that uh, Governor Raimondo used over a year ago in shutting school down schools and making things remote and um, all of the other emergency um, edicts that she put into play. Now, as she put in her edicts um, over a year ago, there was always a question about how these edicts would be enforced. Recall that she said, you know, if you are outside without a mask, you're going to get a fine, the cops are going to arrest you, all sorts of threats. To the best of my recollection, um, none of those threats ever turned into actual fines and they were never tested in court. So Governor Raimondo got away with a lot in terms of uh, compliance of Rhode Islanders through the threat of possible criminal prosecution and the threat of fines, which were never really, never really came to fruition. This is a little different. Now, if Governor McKee said, I'm using my emergency powers granted to me by the General Assembly, and I'm going to mandate that everyone in school wear a mask, and if you don't, um, there's going to be fines that are going to be assessed, that's going to be tricky for him politically because there's so much pushback against this. And who are you going to find? The kids that are in school <laughs> taking their masks off? The parents who don't know whether the kids are in school ripping off their masks in the middle of the day? It would be a very difficult policy to enforce. But as to what the uh, secondary education um, board came up with, they've got a very good lawyer. Anthony Catone, I know him. He's a very good lawyer. He told them in open session, if you do this, you're doing something that is likely unconstitutional. And I guess they wanted to feel good about themselves. So they said, yeah, thanks for that advice. We're doing it anyways. And we'll take our chances if we're sued in court. Um, in my view, that was a bit of a reckless decision they made. I'm sure they feel good. And in certain quarters, it would be very politically um, um, something that certain segments of the population cheering politically would think we're sure. cheering yeah. them on. And there's yeah. going to be other segments saying, what are you, crazy? Right. This is reckless. You, you're with eyes wide open doing something that you know or reasonably should know is going to get shot down right. in court. But someone um, does need to challenge them, right, Tim? Oh, it has to be challenged. Okay. It, it has All to right. be challenged. And if no one challenges it, like the ACLU yep. or some private group of parents, um, you know, maybe, maybe the secondary education uh, panel will get away with this. But what they've done, it's much like the CDC having the edict about the moratorium on um, evictions. They have no authority to do that. And right. that's already been shot down by at least one judge. Yep. But CDC said, well, we'll do it and maybe we'll get some compliance and it sounds good politically and it'll be good until some judge says it isn't. And I'm sure that's the same attitude that's being taken here in Rhode Island. It doesn't make it any more legitimate, and I would presume a challenge, if taken, would be successful yep. very quickly. Uh, folks, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, two national stories, both uh, related uh, somewhat in television, but one is that the Dominion suit the judge has ruled is not going to be tossed. And the other one, I had lost track of this, but uh, Rachel Maddow went after that One America News and. Apparently, whatever they had said about her, she so far has been successful in going after them. Well, it, it's it's a very quizzical case here with One America News and Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow um, said on her air in, in discussing One America News that <laughs> that One America News is essentially a network that is a paid Russian propaganda outlet. Right. And she also alleged that um, the correspondents for One America News are also correspondents for a uh, publication uh, or a newswire, I should say, called Sputnik, which is allegedly a Kremlin-owned or influenced newswire. <laughs> so she was saying that the same folks on One America are also uh, writing and reporting for this Kremlin-owned newswire service. Hmm. So One America sues Rachel Maddow and MSNBC 
um, saying that, you know, this was all a misrepresentation. They've been defamed. This is slander. Um, but One American News did not prevail um, in, in the federal court. The case was then appealed by One America to the uh, Ninth Circuit, which used to be just really way out there. It's gotten uh, with some of the Trump appointments to be a little more even keeled. But the Ninth Circuit um, affirmed the dismissal of One America's case against Rachel Maddow and her network, saying that the statements that Rachel Maddow made could not reasonably be understood um, to imply an assertion of an objective fact and did not amount to defamation. <clears throat> now, she said it right out that One America has paid Russian propaganda. She didn't say, <clears throat> excuse me, I have read news reports published in uh, the Daily Beast, which is the source, saying that One America uh, reporters also work for this uh, Sputnik um, newswire service. If she had said, I have read news reports and I read it on the Daily Beast, and they claim that One America is a Russian outlet. She'd be reporting what she read, much like um, some publicate what much like One America is trying to say when they were reporting on Dominion. Yeah, that they were saying, "Well, we are reporting on our air what we have learned through print media publications about Dominion." We are and, not accused. Where we, we is the Dominion thing? Is that that that's not being tossed out? No, that's not going to be tossed out. Okay, and that's a the, defeat. The, Go well, ahead. it's it's not a defeat. It's I, I mean, guess for those that were trying to get it thrown out. Well, if the, for those getting thrown out, it's a roadblock. It's not a defeat. The court has simply ruled that the case has enough substance to it that it should not be thrown out at this juncture. Okay. Um, it's not a trial yet. This is all pre-trial. Again, the, the, um, the defendants were arguing that if you read the Dominion complaint, that it does not state a cause of action upon which relief can be granted because there's no evidence that anyone at One America defamed or maligned dominion but they were just reporters or opinion you know some of these op-ed shows uh, discussing what was out there in the media which were allegations or suspicions about irregularities with the dominion voting machines yeah it's different if you report news there's there's been an allegation that dominion's software is defective versus saying well, you know, Dominion knowingly did all this and blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's a question of context. Are you reporting news or are you asserting your own opinion as some sort of a fact right. that Dominion did X, Y, and Z? Um, so it's, an, it's two sides of a very interesting coin. The court didn't find there was enough that Rachel Maddow and her network did and basically saying that one America is paid Russian propaganda, hmm. that that should get, even though it sounds pretty ominous to me, that the court found there was insufficient verbiage there to support a cause of action for um, um, slander, among other things. But, but on the flip side, we, we're going to take another quick case. break. Uh, one more segment with attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show.